Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. This episode of the Dungeon Cast is brought to you by Curse of the Usurper, Trouble and Havdeer, from Tomb Guardians, Inc., Trouble and Have Deer is the exciting first book of the Curse of the Usurper adventure and campaign setting for 5th edition. The Curse of the Usurper as a whole takes characters from level 1 to 15. Trouble and Have Deer provides lore, shops, adventures, and so much more within the thriving city of Have Deer. After becoming afflicted with an ancient curse, the characters must search for a cure along the way. They are presented with many paths and opportunities to explore a pirate island. To help the people of Havdir to engage in animated tentacle arm wrestling, to negotiate with politicians, to battle bugbears, and to clamber through the tower of a mad mage. And those are just a few of the possibilities. And I have to say, looking through this book, uh, this this book is clean and gorgeous to look at. The, the artwork is absolutely stunning. Um, it looks really easy to navigate. As someone who's writing a book myself. Yeah, I, I agree with the colors really pop in here. The artwork is great to look at. And um, it, it looks very well put together. I like that it had like little QR codes on some of yeah. the uh, like character reads. Absolutely. So you can you can go to that QR link. Mm-hmm. It's going to take you to Dropbox and give you an audio file to play. So you can just play the the. The audio live for yeah your and it, it seems when looking through it it seems like it's set up for like setting scenes or like really intense character dialogue that your characters are going to overhear and it's fully voice acted it sounds incredible yeah there's um there looks like there's a lot of cool characters and uh special items in here uh a lot of stuff that you can add to your game or you know just i would just run this module it looks pretty fun yeah and it's supposedly a single book uh, the first book of a three-book collection. Mm-hmm. So this is the first part of the adventure. Um, so, yeah, Curse of the Usurper, Trouble and Have Dear by Tomb Guardians, Inc. Yeah, 5e compatible. Go check it out. Indeed, link's in the description. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about everything tabletop role-playing games. And today we are covering The Bahir. One, Dungeon Cast. 
Hey, Brian. Hi, Will. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you? I'm doing quite well myself. Excellent. Well, How are you? I'm, I'm quite well. <laughs> what? Well, I'm, what? Gl- I'm, glad, I'm glad to be here. Ah, I did it. He found it. There it is. Um, it may be year of the artifact, but it's also the year of talking about classic D&D monsters we somehow missed over the tenure of this show. Mm-hmm. Today, we get to talk about a gargantuan monster that would have fit very well into either the year of the dragon or the year of the giant, but somehow it didn't get mentioned until four dungeon cast Zodiac years later. Right. Is it just a giant dragon? <laughs> no, you'll see. I mean, <laughs> no, you'll see. <laughs> Okay. And honestly, I can't think why I put this one off. Uh, this monster is fun. It has some key favorite characteristics I tend to be drawn to. Number one, it looks like a dragon. I love dragons. Me too. Two, it makes for a great mini boss or villain or even BBEG, depending on your campaign. And you know I like monsters that are flexible. Yes. Number three, it breathes freaking lightning out of its face. Oh, yeah. This, these are hitting a lot of uh, key points for you. Yeah, definitely. So without further ado... Let us dive into another monster episode of the Dungeon Cast and break down the Bahir. Yeah. It's good. What, what do we need to roll to beat that AC? Because if we're going to break it down, gonna have to, I have to know what I need. I'd to... have to look at the stat block, but I'm guessing its AC is probably 18. We'll find out when it's my turn to indeed, read stuff. Indeed. All right. When most adventurers think of enormous reptilian beasts, dragons immediately come to mind. However, dragons are not the only scaly giants to instigate fear, respect, and sheer awe with their mere presence. One such magical beast combines the ferocity of an entire pack of starving predators with unchecked draconic deadliness, the Bahir. Often mistaken for a wingless blue dragon, a Bahir's monstrous form resembles a combination of centipede and crocodile. They have long, narrow heads, crocodilian in shape, with curved black horns on the top. They have long, snake-like bodies outfitted with six pairs of legs. Newborn Bahirs are about two feet. Oh, 0.61 meters. In length, while the typical adult Bahir is around 40 feet. That's 12 meters, folks. And weighs about 4,000 pounds. That's 1,800 kilograms. Bahirs reach adulthood at the age of 10. There's no metric for age. No. And like other reptilian creatures, will continue to grow throughout their lifetimes, having to shed their scales periodically. Because of this, Bahirs can sometimes reach gargantuan sizes. Oh, wow. Okay. So this sounds like a reworked Remoraz. No, I would say that snake-like body, centipede legs. Sure. Okay, it doesn't have centipede legs, and I don't know why it's described as being like part centipede. It just has a lot of legs, has a lot of crocodile legs. As okay, so the exactly short, stubby legs. Yes, short stubby crocodile legs, and has exactly twelve of them. That's fun. It is fun. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> They're extremely tough and scaly hides, bristle with armored ridges, and variant color from electric blue to, uh, I believe I probably... Deadly purple. Yeah, I think I meant, I meant nearly purple and not oh. dearly purple. <laughs> I thought maybe you meant deadly. <laughs> no, okay. I'm pretty sure nearly purple. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. With bands of brown. The underbellies of male uh, Bahirs exhibit a lighter hue, typically a pale blue, while female uh, underbellies near shades of white... Uh, highlighted with streaks of azure. Oh, that's pretty. Okay. Azure. Azure. Uh, all Bahir sprout numerous large horns that curve backwards from their heads and continue down their serpentine necks. Largely ornamental, these horns act as an indicator of the beast's age, growing for an entire lifetime and are frequently used in uh, oh, uh, preening. Preening hard to reach scales. Sorry uh, for the typos. Uh, the autocorrect's really doing it to you here. Yeah. Uh, I've been having some rough, so rough times some with it. Long, how long is this thing's neck? It kind of, it's kind of all neck. <laughs> yeah, because like 
that's what I, I sort of like saw an image that you showed me earlier, mm-hmm. right? On on the YouTube thumbnail. Yeah. And then uh I didn't notice the horns in it because it's like a quick it was like a drive by. Uh, you know, it's always depicted differently. A lot of the older depictions literally made it look like it was it was more blue dragon like, where it had like, I, I you know, you know what a blue dragon looks like? They're kind of like coarse and rough and really ridgy. Yeah. Um, older Bahir images look a lot like that. You got that like triangle face kind of thing going yeah, on. Yeah. Well, the the five e one looks way more serpent like. I think it looks cooler this way. Okay. Think, yeah, not, that's my personal a opinion. A rare up for 5e. As for hard-to-reach places, I mean, look at all them legs. It must be real hard to get in between, like, you know, row four, you know, <laughs> under under the belly there. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. Okay. In, yeah, so I was just trying to get a beat on how long these horns are. Um. Well, they go up and down the spine, so they're okay. they're all over. All right. Um. Where was I? Their, dozens, uh, their dozen legs are short but powerful and capable of tucking up neatly along the sides of their bodies, allowing them to either slither along like a snake or gallop at an undulating stride. They prefer using their snake-like locomotion when traveling any considerable distance as it makes moving aggressive, uh, moving through aggressive broken landscape they usually inhabit far easier. Okay. Uh, but here's commonly only use their legs when climbing or feeding. Yeah, so no wings on this bad boy. That's no. like the main difference between it and yeah, the dragon. Yeah, it, right? it, is, it is ground-bound. Uh, overly large, but here's mouths sport dozens of thin needle-like teeth that curve inward for the purposes of grabbing meat and tearing it up into large gobbets. Uh, but here cannot chew food with any particular ease and spits out anything that cannot be swallowed entirely. Um, the throat and stomach of a Bahir are equally oversized, uh, capable of swallowing creature, entire creatures whole. When filled, an incredibly powerful acid floods a Bahir's stomach and reduces flesh to a nutrient-rich nutrient chime in a matter of minutes. The rare items a Bahir cannot digest, such as exceptionally resistant substances like adamantine, it regurgitates in a slow, awkward process within its lair. It just goes back home and throws up as just, fucking just slowly fucking as you've ever hairball, seen. Like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's blue. Okay. <laughs> a portion of the energy Bahirs generate from their food goes to fueling a number of strange almost glassy organs that run below the thickly armored plates of their necks. Far different from the Draconis Fundamentum organ that produces the breath weapons of true dragons, these coarse formations are in a state of constant friction, shifting and colliding with each other against one another as a Bahir moves. This constant friction gathers within several chambers inside the Bahir, waiting to escape in a bolt when the creature opens a specialized chamber within its mouth. Sometimes this energy escapes in ribbons that ripple over a Bahir's tongue and crackle over its spines, especially when a creature becomes agi- the creature becomes agitated or otherwise excited. So you could get, like, shrunk down and do a whole dungeon inside of this thing with all special rooms. I guess you could do that with a lot of monsters, but this is definitely high on the priority list of possible I wonder, ones. Let me know in the comments if you guys have ever shrunk your players and put them inside a monster as a dungeon, because that's the first time I've had the idea. I think it's a great idea. It's a I fun think it's really one. Cool. Yeah. I'm sure someone has done it. Mm, I'm sure everything's been done before, everything's right? Everything's been done. There are no original ideas. I'm just here regurgitating stuff in a modern fashion. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's okay. Not far from these uh, charged structures rest a Bahir's brain. Large and complex enough to facilitate a Bahir's sentience and capacity for speech, this organ is in no way as complex or advanced as a dragon's brain. Okay. Don't fucking bash. Wow, sick burn. Also, perhaps due to the electrified organs nearby, Bahir's are prone to violent mood swings, far-flung leaps of reasoning, and spasmodic, spasmodic muscle contractions. 
I wonder if it knows that it has a bad brain and just gets like <laughs> in a vicious cycle about it. Poor guy's bad brain. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps another effect of the electricity that at times seems uncontrolled within their bodies, but here's live fast and burn out quickly, rarely living beyond 40 years. However, uh, possibly as a result of some aberrant origin, but here's maximum age varies extremely from one to the next, with some dying of old age in their 30s, while others live well into their hundreds. Uh, sorry, how long does the Remmer has live? <laughs> Fucking, I'm just getting vibes. You're getting vibes, huh? Getting uh, vibes. I, I, I don't know. I can't just quickly look that up. No, that's true. We'll, yeah. we'll figure it out again later. It's been a while since we did that episode. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, so let's talk about the origins of the Bahir. Because we have three different stories, each as feasible as the next. Mm. They're either an experiment gone right, an experiment gone wrong, or the result of a demon lord dragon sexy times. Oh. Let's go over them in that order. Yes, please. <laughs> So according to the 5th edition Monster Manual, but here are the end result of giants genetically engineering a monster to counter dragon kind. In times long forgotten, giants and dragons engaged in seemingly endless war. Storm giants created the first Bahirs as weapons against the dragons, and Bahirs retain a natural hatred for dragon kind to this day. They're going to make their own dragon. Yeah, Fuck it. exactly. Okay. I was going to say with hookers and blackjack, but it didn't make sense. <laughs> Dragon Magazine number 333 posits two theories. Bahirs exhibit numerous traits that suggest an unnatural genesis. One theory suggested is that it was a blue dragon that created the first Bahirs, seeking guardians akin to half-dragons, yet more powerful and easier to control. A draconic sorcerer began meddling with the blood of their own kind, uh, either by breeding with a magically summoned creature or tampering with her own unhatched eggs, the blue dragon created a clutch of deadly yet dim-witted offspring. Interesting. Whether these feral sub-dragons turned on and cannibalized their own mother, or she grew disgusted with her unnatural brood and drove them from her lair remains unknown. Frequent observations, however, demonstrate that blue dragons will violently and actively hunt Bahirs, and Bahirs fly into a rage at the merest mention of a dragons of any color. I would love a an NPC in a campaign that, like, is you show up to a location to kill a monster and they're like trying to convince you not to because they're trying to study it to find out like fill in these gaps Ooh, that's yeah that's really good i like that that's fun yeah the next theory posits that some enormous magically altered snake or lizard possibly even a manifestation of the god marshalk once the chief god of the reptilian uh yuan t and demon lord of the 74th layer of the abyss bred with a powerful blue dragon in time long past the offspring of this bizarre union lacked the in intellect of their draconic parent, but exhibited the lightning breath weapon, thick hide, and spiny crests. Okay. Over time, these aberrant dragon spawn managed to propagate their own species and broke from draconic society to take up layers in the wilderness. <laughs> Mershalk was like, we're kind of the same. Long lives, <laughs> hey. right? Hi. Well, you know dragons be horny. So dragons be Probably horny. know the, drag the dragons summon Mershalk. And <laughs> the dragon's <laughs> like, we're going to make the dumbest kids, but okay. I'm ready. I like how the game goes out of the way just to talk about how fucking dumb Bahir are. <laughs> like, it goes out of the way. It's the biggest difference between the, well, flying and that are the flying biggest differences and, between and them bad and brain. dragons. Yeah. It's flying and bad, bad brain. brain. They got just as many body pockets inside of them as dragons. Yeah, and way more legs. Way more legs. Way more legs. That's where all the intelligence just went to legs, it went in the decks, dumb stat in. You maxed out your leg stat. Maxed out, in, maxed out decks. 
Most dragons, especially blue dragons, completely deny such theories, uh, seeing Bahirs as nothing more than abominations that should be destroyed whenever possible. Mm. However, few dragons, typically metallics, confirm hints of truth in this possible genesis, although none admit the full story. The way this reads to me is that blue dragons really don't like that connection, and now they're like, we just need to kill all the Bahir, because this is getting out of hand. <laughs> and I, I love the idea that the metallics think it's fucking hilarious, so they keep spreading the rumors. Yeah, like some random sapphire dragon like published an article about like how the, <laughs> the other nasty dragons are doing other nasty blasphemous yeah. Uh, yeah. mating. There you go, they're exactly. Like, they burned the tabloid, and like, but the damage was done. <laughs> the damage was the done. The rumors are out there. Now the connection will never be unconnected. Until all the Bahirs are dead. Yeah, the, dra- the giants are like, no, nah, we got we- these are our pets now. We fucking love these things. Yeah, they're Fuck great. You, dragons, <laughs> uh, bestial yet canny predators. But here's prowl broken hills, wastelands, and barrens, looking for food enough to fill their considerable gullets. With surprising cunning disguised by their monstrous appearance, but here's offer those expecting a face. Oh, expecting to face nothing more than a dumb beast, only a slow and painful digestion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have their teeth. It's like an anglerfish, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. got an anglerfish. That's nasty. Yeah. But here's prefer inhabiting dry, rocky hills, basking in the scalding sun between hunting forays and patrols of their territories. They layer in places inaccessible to other creatures, favoring locations where would-be intruders must make a harrowing climb to reach them. Deep pits, high caves and cliff walls, and caverns, caverns reached only by narrow, twisting tunnels are prime sites for a Bahir's ambush. A Bahir's dozen legs allow it to scramble... Through its lair sight with ease. When not climbing, it moves even faster by folding its leg beside its body and slithering like a snake. Oh my gosh, that's cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Most Bahirs live solitary existences, claiming all the land visible from their lairs as their territory. Bahirs favor lofty homes. Their alleged domain might span um, dozens of miles, with its lair always at its center. However, these contended dominions are regularly exaggerated, possibly encompassing the prior claims of other creatures or even whole cities alone Bahir could never hope to overtake. Uh, regardless, Bahirs are violently territorial creatures and attempt to drive out any beings they perceive as threats while subjugating weaker creatures. This often leads to lengthy conflicts between Bahirs and humanoids or other powerful monsters, all with equal belief in their ownership of the land. Wow. <clears throat> In the cases where Bahirs win such disputes, whole regions of weaker creatures might pay homage to a single Bahir's landlord or even a deity. I like that joke. You're either a landlord or you're a god. <laughs> no oh, in between. No. Uh, Although physically powerful and intelligent enough to communicate, Bahirs make poor leaders and worse rulers. Little more than oversized, self-interested bullies, Bahirs care nothing for the weaklings that dwell within their territories. Rather, they treat such vassals little better than slaves and livestock, often demanding ridiculous tributes of food or wealth. Yeah, if they're like in the image of dragons or like the pets of giants, they all treat everybody this way anyway. Yeah. So they're the worst landlords. The worst landlords. The worst. They're bad landlords. Always even, goes up. Even worse gods. <laughs> also, due to other sporadic mood swings, often blamed on the powerful electrical discharges occurring in such close proximity to their brains, but here's quickly neglect or forget responsibilities and promises. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no, it's a bad brain. Yeah, I'll be there in two days to fix your pipes. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's been three days. You haven't been by to fix my pipes. What pipes? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Such such shifts commonly occur every five to ten minutes and might prove dangerous as a Bahir can seem agreeable, even playful one moment and suspicious or uh, antagonistic the next. They fucking forgot if you're friends. Hey, who are you again? <laughs> Get out of my house, you stranger! 
Oh, no. Stop eating my soup. Despite their brutishness as rulers. Their but, Britishness? Oh, brutishness. Brutishness. Sorry. Despite their Britishness. That's hilarious. It's like, what's British about them? Despite their brutishness uh -huh. as rulers, Bahirs are not innately evil creatures. Although particularly foul-tempered, exceptions that cross the line surely exist, most Bahirs adhere to a neutral outlook. Mm. However, this neutrality combined with a relatively low intel... God, we just keep yeah. talking about how dumb they are. Neutral stupid. Neutral stupid and great... <laughs> That's a great t-shirt with a Bahir on it. Just yeah, like drooling. neutral stupid. Yeah, neutral, neutral stupid. I, I do like that. Yeah, we should do that. Um... <laughs> And great physical prowess makes Bahirs exceptionally self-concerned. Some humanoids might use this sense of self-superiority to their advantage, as Bahirs are highly susceptible to flattery, especially pertaining to their horns and size. My, what big horns you have? Oh, my. They're as long as your neck. <laughs> Besides dragons, any large animals that wander into Bahirs' territory are considered food first and potentially bargaining partner second. Bears possess the capability to negotiate, but only do so if they believe that for some reason they can't take what they desire. Those who must frequently travel through a Bahir's territory find that offering large amounts of food along with a healthy amount of self-deprecating flattery is a good way to keep a Bahir from attacking. Okay. You need to, like, carry a bunch of, like, farm tools on you that it can't digest, like made of anamantine. <laughs> yeah, that like, costs a fortune, though. <laughs> don't eat me. I have a metal shovel on me. Yeah, and you'll gonna, barf it up later. Yeah, it'll be and bad. It'll, and it will suck. He's like, that will suck. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until he takes the shovel off because he's dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just wait till he takes I'll it just off. wait till he takes that shovel off and eat him. Uh, additionally, perhaps owing to some draconic ancestry, Bahirs have a fondness for treasure, coveting silver to the exclusion of all other offerings. If properly wooed with such riches, food, and compliments, some Bahirs might be convinced to reveal information or perform favors for lesser creatures. Yeah, I wonder what kind of information it might have. Maybe like territorial stuff. Yeah, I mean, if if you for some reason have need information of what's occurred in this territory within the last 40 years. The yeah, Bahir it's might like not be the over it, so you have, no one's been in or out to report. Exactly, the Bahir fiefdom. Mm. Bahirs and dragons are dire enemies and never willingly tolerate each other's presence within their respective territory. Whenever a Bahir and dragon catch sight or scent of each other, bloodshed inevitably follows. Those who witness a battle between a Bahir and a dragon recall it with awe, as both creatures assail each other with breath attacks and gouge scale muscle and sinew with razor-sharp claws and teeth. Yeah, one of them's flying and one of them's walking really fucking fast with a bunch of tiny <laughs> Holy feet. shit, look at those legs go. Wow, it's slapping the ground so much. I do, I do. We'll have to see this thing's speed when we look at the stat block, but I do like the idea of, like, the dragon has to come down to fight it because it just keeps skittering, like a, like a bug that's too fast to swat. Oh, man, so, that's like, fucking awesome. Yeah, I like, I like that, that a lot. But here's our immune to electricity and relish roaming or climbing to the peaks of their layers amid thunderstorms, becoming quite excited when the lightning begins to strike. Oh, sick, a lightning storm. I'm going to go forget about bunch of shit and he climbs to the top of this mountain or maybe it's like i've never felt so clear-headed before i've i've been living in a fog i've got that post lightning clarity right now i can make so many decisions damn i'm fucking dumb most of the time oh no holy shit <laughs> <laughs> the mating cycle of behirs coincides with the hottest days of summer when electrical storms rage most frequently during such times <laughs> The swift popping bellows of a Bahir mating craze mingle with the regular crashes of thunder. <laughs> He's not just going to have post-lightning clarity after this thunderstorm. I need a minute. 
Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> um, travelers should be extremely wary of wandering through an agitated beer's territory during this time of year, and especially in the middle of such a storm. Uh-huh. How do we get here every episode lately? Dragon Magazine, bro. <laughs> Dragon Magazine rules. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to make a Dragon Magazine show. How does it fuck? I want to so bad. Where's the Dragon Magazine? Babe, where's my Dragon Magazine? Sorry. <laughs> Occasionally, it's Dragon Magazine Day. I wanted to make a magazine joke reference also. Occasionally, in areas with a large enough food supply, a mating pair of behirs spawn for several years, usually somewhere between two and 12, which is quite the range. Uh, yeah. A pair of behirs usually produce one small clutch of eight to 10 eggs. These eggs resemble large geodes tinged with electric blue lines similar to a lapis lazuli and might be mistaken for huge blue gemstones. Typically, only half of the eggs produce live young, and only half of that number survive the first few weeks of life. This relatively high mortality rate keeps the Bahir numbers in check, especially considering the huge amount of food required to sustain even one in the area. Okay. Bahir mothers raise their young for two years, first providing hatchlings with regurgitated meat before teaching them to hunt small animals. Oh. Male Bahir take little interest in their young, except for occasionally providing them with food and doing them the service of not ingesting them. I'm going to throw up, and it's not a shovel. Get ready to eat. <laughs> After the second year, the mother Bahir drives out the surviving juveniles with blasts of lightning and thunderous bellows, forcing the young to find their own territories. Most Bahirs that become threats to humanoid settlements are juvenile Bahir seeking their own domains. Bahir are often hunted by powerful adventurers for their body parts. Their horns can be used to make the ink necessary for scribing a magic scroll of lightning bolt. Uh, similarly, a scroll of neutralized poison often uses ink from Bahir's talons. And that of protection from poison uses ink from a here's heart. I love that. I love the details Dragon Magazine goes into and in like breaking this yeah. creature down. It's like a good template for what you could do with other creatures as well. Absolutely. I often uh, am very disappointed when I can't find a. So all these articles are always called Ecology of. Yeah. So when yeah. I can't find an Ecology of article on a creature, I'm always like, ah, dang it. Yeah, it is, it is a bummer. <laughs> yeah. They should uh, really pick that back up. They should, know. but they won't. No, they won't. <laughs> Bahir scales are sometimes used to make armor, so much like the hides of dragons. Bahir crystalline bones are used for jewelry. Bone-carved chimes, sculptures, and musical instruments are very common across certain cultures. Bahir teeth are as beautiful and valuable as gemstones and have a wide variety of creative uses. Uh, one such use is a strange type of music box. Bahir teeth form plucking hooks that pull on string made from Bahir guts and electrum, while Bahir ivory is used for other parts of these wondrous instruments. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> maybe we maybe we should take a short We rest. have its teeth pull its guts and it makes oh, music, God, bro. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Let's take a short that's, rest. It's crazy, okay? It's the grand adventures of Alien and Beard. Oh man! Wow, we're falling. We're still falling. It's. You think we would have hit something by now? Yeah, you would think so. It's been it's been quite some time. I I can you even see the worm falling down there? I'll be honest. I don't have dark vision. I can't see a lot. Is this me neither? Is this the same rubble next to us? That's been that's been. I don't understand. What's going on? It seems that the purple worm just kept digging, and uh, we're going to continue falling until we reach yeah, the must, bottom of wherever it decides to dig to. Must have hit some sort of sinkhole or something. This is this is or insane. That 
Yes, it this is. It's just a lot. Quite unheard of. Look, I can kind of spin myself by, by yes. pushing against the yes. debris. Oh, look at this beard. Ah, that's quite good, oh, Alien. Quite it's nice. It's like I cast the fly spell. <laughs> yeah, wait, hey, that would be great right now. Can you do that? I, I, I mean, I could. Okay. It's a possibility. Um, so wait, what's the plan then? Are we just going to keep, like, falling? Well, I mean, I'm sure we will solve the issue when when uh, with, with the moment magic? arises. With magic? Possibly there are spell slots that I could spend. Yes, beard. I think maybe, you know, like, we've been falling for a while, and I don't know if you know when you hit the ground after you've been falling for a while, it hurts a lot and might cause, like, you know, I understand death? how gravity works, Bear, and you I, don't have to lecture me. I'm sure you do. You're experiencing I just, it. I just think that maybe we should do something about it. Feel you know, with your magic. Like you, you're coming across as if you're entitled to my spell slots, and I don't appreciate it. Uh, hey, look, it's not. I don't want to come across the wrong way. Okay. Look, we don't I, have to solve all of our problems with magic, Bear. You're right. You're right. You know. You know, we are we are people with capable hands and capable <laughs> brains. We can solve our problems without resorting to the precious, <laughs> precious slots of my spells. But we, we could land at any time. We, we could. See the, okay. We well, could. Maybe we should start thinking then. Uh, I understand. You know, you've told me before you're saving your spell slots for when we encounter the pendant and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I got it. Maybe looking to the orb of Ether's net once more and maybe it has an answer. Can you, can you do that right now? Ben, my orb of Ether's net is for prophesizing about the pendant of plenteous patrons. Need I remind you, Ben, why we are falling down this endless, endless hole? I would love to. I would love for you to explain it to me. It is because we are searching for an artifact of legend. An artifact of power. It's true. The pendant of plenteous patrons. It's so good. Every time you explain it to me, it's so, so good. An artifact powered by the souls of a thousand generous benefactors. So many. And whosoever claims the pendant will have those benefactors' funds funded to them. It and will be us. <laughs> yes, it and will be us. I will paint. And I will create wonders the likes of which this world is not ready for. I'm so curious of what those specifics are, but I'm not worried about it right now. Right now, we need to put our brains together to figure out where... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. We've returned. Indeed we have. We're fucking back. Indeed we are. If you Did I not do that last episode? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Are you sure? And then you jump straight into the go to patreon.com to fund yeah, Alien and Beer's adventure. Yeah, if you want to sponsor Alien and Beer and you can do that. Like, if you want to be an ad- external advertiser that sponsors Alien and Beer with sweet jerseys or something while yeah. they go on their adventures and talk about your products or uh, or services, we're, we're happy to to do that. Reach out to the dungeoncast at gmail.com. Uh, and if you want to support Alien and Beer in their quest for the pendant of plenteous patrons, please go to patreon.com slash the dungeoncast where you can make humble donations to their cause as well as ours. Did you just have like a Bahir like brains that moment where you forgot? Yeah, I did. I was like, <laughs> fuck, did I say that last? Like, I'm, you did, there must you have did. been an electrical current in, in the studio. Dun, dun, dun. So these look like bad salamanders with bad dragon horns. I, I think they look super cool. They're like you mean bad isn't bad or bad isn't bad. Bad isn't bad, dude. Uh, I well, like in this them. Image, it's like a little nub. The horns? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't care about the horns. They're cool. No, that's I'm specifically talking yeah, about the, horns. Yeah, that bad horn. Wait, that, this, no, this is, is a cool looking monster. It's a young. It's a young here. Oh, so it's got little. I don't know. Little juvenile horns. Okay. Uh, I, well. I am gonna give one criticism before we actually get into it. Uh huh. Um, these things are supposed to be like dragon fighting monsters, right? Yeah. Uh. This this Bahir stat block is not strong enough to fight most dragons. It'd be really cool if there was a young Bahir in Wormling Bahir and also an ancient Bahir stat block. Oh, oh, well, they don't live that long. Some of them do. That but, would be cool. But yeah, ancient it up with some legendary actions, and then maybe it can <clears throat> fight like a, an adult dragon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is a huge monstrosity of neutral evil. Its armor class is seventeen. Natty. It's got 168 HP. That's 16 D12 plus 64. It has a movement speed of 50 feet and a climbing speed of 40 feet. So, yeah, them legs is doing it, boy. Yeah. Them legs is slapping the ground and slapping the walls. That's so true. They're, yeah, I bet it's slithering around like crazy, too, mm-hmm. the way it's it's very snake-like. Yeah. Uh, like salamandery. Strength is a plus six. Dexterity is a plus three. Con is a plus four. Intelligence minus two. It's kind of so dumb. So stupid. It's kind of dumb. Wisdom plus two and charisma plus one. That's like ogre dumb. That's so That's dumb. That's pretty dumb. You're pretty dumb. Uh, I, 
it's so strong also um uh, i thought it's it had very more physically strong yeah it lifts with all 12 of them legs that's fair to say it lifts its whole body up uh skills perception plus six stealth plus seven that's nice damage immunities lightning uh senses dark vision 90 feet passive perception 16 it's not immune to lightning it does like damage wise yes yeah all right language is draconic uh, challenge rating 11 for 7,200 experience points. It's got a plus four proficiency bonus. Uh, it does a multi-attack. The Behir makes two attacks, one with its bite and one to constrict. Bite is a melee weapon attack, plus 10 to hit. Reach at 10 feet, one target. It's going to hit for 22 or 3d10 plus six piercing damage. Constrict is a melee weapon attack with plus 10 to hit. Reach of five feet, one large or smaller creature. It's going to hit for 17 or 2d10 plus six bludge damage, plus 17, 2d10 plus six slashing damage. Well, why would it do that? Well, okay, so lore-wise, these things are supposed to be from from the back of their head all the way down their tail covered in spines. Oh. This artistic iteration of one doesn't show that, though. Yeah, I can see, like, a, a slight frill on it. Yeah. So maybe it's just real sharp right there. I guess so. Guess so. Um yeah, so it's going to do that slashing damage. The target is then grappled with an escape DC of 16. If the Bahir isn't already constricting the creature, a creature, and the target is restrained uh, until the scrapple ends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, lightning breath, it's going to recharge on a five or six. The Bahir exhales a line of lightning that is 20 feet long and five feet wide. Each creature in that line must make a DC 16 dexterity saving throw, taking 66 or 12 D10 lightning damage on a failed save or half as much damage on a success. I want quite a bit. I want to discuss with you real quick, mm -hmm. um, just your quick opinion. Do you think lines are inherently weaker than, than cones when mm -hmm. it comes to area effect? Yes. Yeah. I really yes, I think do. they need to fix the line thing because, like, don't get me wrong. I, I get why you'd have lightning go in a line or certain other attacks to be in a line, but maybe widen the line when it's a huge monster like this. Like, yeah. This thing's big-ass mouth, like, you know, I don't know, make it 10 or 15 feet wide or like something. Like a Marvel you know? versus Capcom, you know, Hadouken. Or exactly. Something like that. Yeah. So just just throwing that out there. Yeah, a line that is 10 feet wide or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a little bit more acceptable. Lines are convenient. People. Like, you can kind of, like... It, they're they're more advantageous for a monster than a party, I think. Uh, it, it's really situational. Sure. Because a monster is always going to be mobbed against multiples, so you're going to hit two people with the line, especially Probably. when you have a movement speed like this with a stealth the way this thing has. You can get a surprise attack and hit maybe three people. The thing is, I, I think you're going to hit more people with a line if you're doing theater of the mind, like we usually do do theater of the mind. Yeah, But sure. like when you actually are using a grid system... I think it's going to hit less people a lot of the time. Yeah, it, it's cool. It, I mean, like... I'm curious. I know I know that the offsetting thing is supposed to be length, too, right? So, like, lines go further. Cones are usually, like, at max 15 feet. I mean, point-blanking somebody for 66 damage is pretty fucking cool, though. It I is mean, awesome. Like, even if you hit one person... It, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's still a strong attack. But, yes, uh, cones are better. Swallow. The Bahir makes one bite attack against the medium or smaller target. It is grappling. Uh -oh. If the attack hits, the target is also swallowed, and the grapple ends. While swallowed, the target is blinded and restrained. It has total cover against attacks and other effects outside of the Bahir and takes 21 or 66 acid damage at the start of each of the Bahir's turns. That's great. A Bahir can have only one creature swallowed at a time. And then you can do the dungeon by yourself. 
Uh, if the Behir <laughs> takes 30 damage or more on a single turn from the swallowed creature, the Behir must succeed on a DC 14 constitution saving throughout the end of that turn or regurgitate the creature, which falls prone in a space within 10 feet of the Behir. If the Behir dies, a swallowed creature is no longer restrained by it and can escape from the corpse by using 15 feet of movement, exiting prone. Man, you better hope you have a fucking paladin on your team or like a wizard with, I don't know, fireball. I know that somebody's going to be like, I moved to the back and I cut my way out of this thing's. Not going to happen. This thing's going to have 17 AC inside and out because it's natural armor, I would say. Well, they're also, they're restrained, aren't they? They're restrained and blinded. Ah, So they have big disadvantage on making attacks. I'm going to say, oh, yeah, I guess so. Because, yeah, that's the thing is they can't move. If they're restrained, their movement is zero. Yeah, so they're not moving nowhere. I think there was a, uh, I guess, light spoilers for very early season one critical role, where somebody gets swallowed, and I think they did a big beast hand inside of this thing, this creature that they got swallowed by. Okay, like, okay, and fucked it up real bad. Yeah, I bet that's awesome though. There are ways. I'm just saying there are ways. There out. are ways. Yeah, yeah, there are ways. There's a reason this mechanic is listed the way it is. But that's Agreed. it for the stat block. What do you think? What do you think of this stat it's block? It's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. I, too. I like this monster. Uh, challenge rating eleven. It's fairly strong. I think it's fairly strong, especially if it gets a swallow off. I think it needs legendary actions. Its movement is just wild. I wish it wouldn't take opportunity attacks. I think that would be a cool thing to have. Like, it's just wily like that. I don't know. Oh, okay. Like, when it moves, it just won't take opportunity attacks. I think that Oh, gotcha. No, that makes sense. I like that. I like that. I think legendary actions, and I think they're pretty warranted, because look at all them legs. Like, yeah. it can get a couple extra claw moves in, you know? Like, a sweeping tail attack would be really tail, cool yeah. as well on Knock this. Knock some people prone yeah, while you're swallowing do a, guy. a small amount of damage at a save, you know, yeah. a deck save for that as well. That would be a cool thing to add to it for a legendary action for sure. I could see that thing. Or, like, a tail slam. Um, it fucking high-fives your face five times in a drive-by, like, run kind of motion. Absolutely. Like, just, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my face. <laughs> Yeah, that that's uh, there there are ways to buff this thing up. Yeah, and then for you sure. can always flavor them with different types of elemental damage. Why not? Why yeah, why lightning? not? Yeah, I mean, I think the lightning thing is because they're ties to blue dragons. But I mean, you could have red behirs. Blue dragon was the one Green that fucked around with the snake demon. It's all your fault, blue dragon. <laughs> it's all your fault, blue dragon. You got anything? No. Let's take a long rest. All right. Okay, long rest time. Hey, it's a long monster. Sorry. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome to the long rest. Hopefully, it's not as long as this monster. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. This is a long. It's a long. Like we just said, it was a long monster. It's a long monster. What do we want to talk about in this long rest? Um, I think it's a good time to talk about our giveaway of Baldur's Gate Three. Baldur's Gate. We're getting so close to fifty thousand subscribers on YouTube, and it's all thanks to everyone that hits that fucking button, baby. Indeed. Smash that shit. Smash it. Destroy it. Yeah. Hit that fucking sub button. Because once we reach 50,000 subscribers, we are giving away a copy of Baldur's Gate 3 on either PC or console, whichever it is that you got. And the only way to enter the contest is to subscribe to our channel, like a video, and leave a comment. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And I'm excited. My copy is, well, it's not really a copy. It's digital. But I'm allowed to download it next Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) And I cannot wait. 
I'm going to do two campaigns. I'm going to do a solo one with uh, one of my favorite D&D characters I've ever created, D'Artagnan Bloodthane. <laughs> and then I'm going to do a, a co-op campaign with my fiance. It's going to be fun. Oh, that sounds awesome. I can't wait to... I'm, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to play it or if I'm going to watch some Let's Plays, but... Um... I, I got to figure it out. I'm going. I'm going through a lot of changes. I'm hitting adult puberty. Oh no! Yeah, oh, yes? I know, right? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Finally, hair's growing in the places I've needed it to all this time. <laughs> um, <laughs> For those who can't see me, which is everybody, because we don't actually videotape these, I uh, reminded Brian of my alopecia. He touched his bald head. I did. Uh, okay. <laughs> You, we have got a Discord, and things happen there, and you should be a they part do, of it. So you click should. the link in the description below. Please um, do. You can find us on social media. Will's been posting a lot there lately. Yep, at least four times a week. Four times a week, baby. Across Get all those, platforms. Suck those four posts up with your social media by connecting with our social media, which is everything at the Dungeon Cast. That's Twitter, which is now X. and Mastodon. Mastodon. God, it's so confusing. Can somebody just make it regular again? Instagram. Instagram. You can find your boy on the ground. Sound Good Inc. On Instagram, yeah, you see our I see Dragon Turtle Sally. Yeah, uh, I went on private because I was getting a new job, and they were going to check it. No, that's yeah, that's a good reason. Yeah, um, but I'll accept your friend request if you don't look like a fucking absolute creep. If you don't look like, a and narc. even if you kind of do, I'll still accept it. I just need to make sure you're not like a bot or a sex bot. Those aren't allowed to follow me. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so uh, yeah, check us out on the Soch. Um, fucking, what else do we do? I'm writing a book. Yes. Um, it's called Star Seeker's Guide to Dragon Star. It is based off of our actual play sci-fi D&D podcast, Super Quest Saga. And uh, I'm just finishing up, believe it or not, the Artifacts chapter. Hey. Uh, where there's over 59 magic items, advanced technological devices, and artifacts. I'm hoping to have the beta, uh, which is like the test PDFs that I send out for a new item system called the glyph system which i invented and i think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it should have that out in a week or two we'll see i'm burning through the book as fast as i can but if you are interested in a sci-fi space opera DD compatible source book then look no further than star seekers guide to dragon star we have 11 new races including a species builder which has thousands of possibilities we're gonna have 13 new subclasses like i said 59 magic items over 100 uh monsters and uh all you got to do is go to dragonstar.com and pre-order the book yeah uh Link in the description below, like with everything else. We have a P.O. box. Um, yes. We, we There was it's a string a of uh, letters and postcards that came through there that were a delight to uh, to read. So if you guys want to send us something, um, I'll be checking the post box, uh, the P.O. box, uh, between this recording and the next. So um, we're going to do hopefully some of that and then be reading um, like YouTube comments and things like that. And uh, we'll have a patron episode, I believe, next batch of recordings. Uh, and we'll be doing Patreon shout-outs because I think it's been a second. Spoiler alert, that. it's going to be a demon lord. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> a Sick. S- a very sexy demon lord. Wow. this is gonna. I'm excited. I don't even want to know what it is. I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm hyped for next recording. <laughs> and, um, yeah, thanks, Patreon people, for being patient. We've had a lot of scheduling hiccups lately that we've been working through, so the episodes haven't been as early as as normal, uh, but it looks like we're getting back on rhythm here. Yeah. So uh, things should get, go back to like you know getting that episode a week or two early. Uh, but they're always uh, in that feed and ad free. 
So, you know, that's one of the benefits of going to Patreon and checking that out. Also, you guys can check out Flashbang and the Surgeon. It's a superhero comedy campaign that I did with my friends Jake and Steve that we had on our Patreon that we were releasing from the paywall. Um, I'm so bad at, like, posting that feed, but it's uh, I'm doing my best over there. Like, I just got a lot going on all the time. So uh, episode eight got fixed. And I saw somebody say that it's it, it is indeed fixed. So good, 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 good. I think I accidentally crossed uh, files. Yeah, and if then, it's not fixed for you, just go ahead and either refresh your feed or unsubscribe and resubscribe, and it should be good. Yeah, and then session nine is uh, in there for September fifth. It's already uploaded, so I can guarantee that that's going to drop. And hopefully, without issue, I'll double check it. But then, um, yeah, the season one is actually almost closed up. So if you've been waiting for that to release, it's it's going to all be there. It's ten sessions total it's like anywhere between two and four episodes per session it's quite a bit of content um i like the way uh season one concludes i have like an epilogue episode and then season two is a fucking blast can't wait for you guys to hear it uh and i think that's it i think we should call it a game let's call it a game we'll talk to you guys later Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.